is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Friday Night Smackdown and AEW Rampage post show right here on Off The Script. I am JD from New York. As always, coming to you from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Friday evenings, wherever you may be. What a night, man. What a night. I I, I didn't really expect... What we got at the end of SmackDown tonight. But once I heard the opening notes of that theme music hit on Friday Night SmackDown, after what I thought was just going to be a regular formulaic Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre promo segment to sell their match at Clash at the Castle, all of a sudden we hear those opening notes and we see the... What is it, a foul, a hawk, a fucking, uh, what is it, a hawk that fucking flies in on Carrion Cross's uh, entrance? Those scavenger birds, the carrion bird, see it flying, and all of a sudden we see Scarlet standing in the entranceway with the smoke and the lighting illuminating her figure. And all of a sudden, Drew McIntyre is getting blasted in the back of the head by Carrion Cross, who returned tonight. On Friday Night SmackDown, this is another return. Vulture. I don't know why I couldn't think of the name of the bird. Vulture. Hawk, Falcon, Vulture, Carrion Bird, whatever, man. He's feasting and he's about to prey on the weak. That's about what to expect here with Carrion Cross. Another name in the line of names that are undoubtedly set to return. And this is such a major move. By Triple H, a move that I actually knew for the last three, three and a half weeks. I knew this was happening. I got tipped off that it was happening. I have people in the know that spoke to me about this because I'm a big cross guy. A small section of the community, us podcasters, are big cross guys. And I feel like everybody anticipated him coming back. Everybody kind of figured when Triple H took over that he was going to be back in the WWE. We just didn't know when he was going to be back in the WWE. I heard everything from immediately after he finishes up his independent dates. I know I played the vignette for you guys. He's working House of Glory on the 28th. Terminal 5, low-key versus Killer Cross. I don't know what the status of that is going to be. I reached out to who I needed to reach out to. No reply back on that. I hope that is all well and good. If you go to Cross's Twitter page, you see a bunch of appearances that he's set to make on the independent scene. I don't know if any of that is going to take place. I don't know when this deal came about. I don't know how long this is in the works. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. All I know is that he was on his way back anyway, and tonight we saw him 
And he's already making an immediate impact, going after Drew McIntyre and already staking claim at Roman Reigns with the hourglass of time signaling his days are numbered on Friday Night SmackDown. There was a report that went out via Fightful, and this was earlier in the day. I caught wind of it around 6 p.m. I gave my thoughts on it. I told you guys, I was one of the very first podcasts that came on here and told you cross immediately. I said cross immediately. Now that Triple H is head of talent relations, this was even before Triple H took over head of creative. I said even when he took over head of talent relations, cross was going to be one of the guys that he was going to bring back undoubtedly because of what Vince McMahon did and Bruce Pritchard did. I'm not letting him get away scot-free. He's another fucking asshole. What these two guys did to Karrion Cross. There was a report earlier in the day from Fightful. And nobody expected him to show up on SmackDown tonight. Fightful reports that they've learned that the former NXT champion had been discussed as a name of interest for WWE to bring back to the company. Several people within the wrestling business outright expected him to return. One source indicated that they think it was already in the company's plans. Obviously, it was. We didn't know then. Now we know. Fightful has only confirmed that his name was at least discussed on WWE's end. As previously reported, Cross recently posted a screenshot from a fan listening to his old WWE theme music and noted they wished Cross would make a return to the company. Many took this as him expressing his interest in a return. I didn't need, I didn't need anybody's tweet to know that Cross and Scarlett had an interest in returning to the WWE. I think out of everybody that we've talked about, and everybody in that company, I think Cross and Scarlett are the first two people that would come forward and tell you, and they did, Cross did anyway, that they got fucked over. Fucked over. I'm not even talking about, yeah, they, it, was, uh, it was a mistake. No, it was intentional. Everything that happened to them, I said it then and I said it now. I ranted about this shit for fucking weeks. How could you fuck that up. I'm not even talking about what you may think of Cross and his in-ring ability. I don't even give a fuck. When you have something like that presented to you in all of its perfection in NXT, bring it to the main roster and refuse to use it because it wasn't your idea and it wasn't Vince's and it wasn't Bruce Pritchard's and it was your son-in-law's. Everything that Triple H did failed on the main roster because that's the way they wanted it. That's what they thought of Triple H, what he did down in NXT, and of the NXT brand. They brought this guy up to the main roster as NXT champion, and they had him lose in his debut match on the fucking Raw brand to Jeff Hardy in 90 seconds. As NXT champion, which, by the way, he was undefeated for two years in NXT. You don't think that was done purposely? You don't think Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon knew that and wanted him on the main roster to embarrass him? They called him up to the main roster as NXT champion. Nobody, nobody could make sense of it. It did not make sense at all. This guy was the NXT champion in a fucking feud 
with five other guys. Balor was the main guy, but they called him up anyway. They called him up to the main roster anyway. They put him on Monday Night Raw. Instead of building him as undefeated and making his stance as NXT champion feel important, they put him on Raw, put him in a match with Jeff Hardy, and embarrassed him in 90 seconds. Where's Scarlett? She's singing the theme music. Where is she? We saw clips of him making a main event debut against Shelton Benjamin. No Scarlett. Everybody then was like, oh, maybe it's just a test run. It's just a dark match. I wouldn't look too much into it. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, you wouldn't look too much into it with it being Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon. Sure thing. Those excuses don't fly with me. They look to recklessly ruin everything that comes from NXT. No longer. No longer. Then we see this guy lose and... He gets to the main roster. He eventually loses the NXT title on night one. It was already in the fucking plans. You you cannot convince me that they didn't purposely want to fucking bury this guy. On night one, as soon as he lost that NXT championship, the very next Monday, he came out looking like a fucking super shredder wannabe, and he came out wearing suspenders with a demolition-inspired helmet that would fucking make Axe smash and crush all fucking laugh hilariously. It was terrible. Terrible. So terrible that Cross, after he got released, even said himself it was a piece of shit. It would probably go for about three cents on eBay. Absolutely disgraceful. Disgraceful. How you could look at that presentation and minus what you think of his in-ring ability. He's got so much more than fucking in-ring ability. The in-ring ability from Cross is the last fucking thing that people should be concerned about. And he's not even that fucking bad. I don't know. I don't know what fucking people's problem is. Oh, he's boring. Maybe you should open your fucking eyes and watch a great storyteller in action. I'm sorry you think he's boring. You don't think Baron Corbin is boring or anybody else that Vince wanted on the main roster at a high level boring? Give me a fucking break. The same matches every fucking week. Wasn't boring to you? This is absolutely the right move to make. Absolutely the right move to make. There have been rumors that Cross and Bordeaux were booked for a Ring of Honor appearance at Supercard of Honor before Tony Khan brought the, uh, you know, obviously brought them to pay-per-view and bought the company. However, Khan later dismissed that and noted that the couple was never booked for the show. Cross could have easily taken an AEW contract. Cross could have easily taken an AEW spot or an appearance. He did not. Cross did not take an appearance for AEW. And I don't know what the details were there, but the way I read it was maybe Khan, maybe Tony Khan wanted Karrion Cross, Killer Cross, but he didn't want Scarlet. And Cross, like the fucking right guy and businessman that he is, said, Well, if you don't want my wife, then you ain't getting me. Because the presentation that I have in mind always included us together. And that's exactly what Triple H did in NXT. They didn't want that. I don't know what the appearance would have been for. I was assuming that maybe he was one of the names possibly discussed to wrestle Wardlow in the middle of that MJF and Wardlow feud, but they ended up getting W. Morrissey instead. That would have been a terrible spot for Cross. I think everybody knew it, and they knew it too. That would have been a waste. 
And the idea behind why he didn't take it, if I'm kind of thinking about what Cross may be thinking, why would you want to go and go to WWE, have Triple H present this perfect package, get called up to the main roster, and they exclude your wife, which was a, a, a tremendous aspect of the entire package. They get rid of your wife. You get released, right? She's no longer a part of the act on WWE TV. You get released. And then your first appearance on another major promotion doesn't include your wife. He wanted the, the, the way Triple H and the whole package that Triple H put together, he wanted that to be the presentation. He wanted that. When you see him, he wanted that to be the presentation. So why would he go and take a one-off indie appearance or one-off uh, AEW appearance and appear without Scarlett when him, he's got the bigger picture in mind? That's not the way he operates. This is another guy who has a vision for what he wants. If you don't appreciate that and you don't want that, again, I'm going to have to kindly ask you to get the fuck out. This is a major get for Triple H. Major get. In one night, he added something that this entire roster needed. In five seconds, he added a main event caliber name. And that's exactly what he's going to be. Again, whether you like him or not. He's going to be a main event caliber name on a brand that had nobody outside of the two men that you saw in that final segment on the show. Nobody. In five seconds, with one elbow to the back of the head, WWE already has another made man, another main event guy in WWE. He brings a sense of legitimacy to everything he does. You think that I'm stopping here with the idea of a Cross versus McIntyre or a Cross versus Roman match? You don't understand what Vince McMahon threw away. You don't understand the negligence and the creative malpractice that Vince McMahon had meddled in. Cross versus Edge, Cross versus Owens, Cross versus Cody Rhodes. You ain't looking forward to something like that? Cross versus AJ Styles. I mean, I don't understand you fucking people. Everything that Cross is going to be a part of, he's going to bring a sense of legitimacy. And that's exactly what this company needs. And he's going to bring a main event caliber performance to the WWE, something which this company also sorely needed. So yes, this is a major fucking move. Major move. I'm all about second chances. I've gotten a second chance here and there in my life. So have you guys. But the thing is, sometimes you don't really deserve to even get to the point where you're asking for a second chance. And I mean that because you didn't fuck up in the first place. You just get something happening that's just bad luck. It ain't your time. It's not your moment in the sun. Sometimes you're asking yourself, how did I even get to this position? Why am I getting a second chance when I had the first chance and I did everything fucking right? That's cross. I'm always for somebody getting a second chance, whether they deserve it or not. I'm always about getting someone that second chance. And cross absolutely never should have even been in this position to get a second chance because he should have been given the first chance to do what he needed to do, but he had it taken away from him. We should not be sitting here today, even though we're all happy. We should not be sitting here today even contemplating, well, Cross should be a main event guy. Before this appearance tonight, 
People were like, oh, Cross should be back in WWE. I'd love to see Cross back in WWE. The fucking point of the matter is it should have never gotten to that point. Never. We should have not been on social media talking about, oh, he should be back in WWE. Oh, he should be on Raw or he should be on SmackDown. The fucking guy should have already been in a main event program for months now, solidifying his name at the top of the card. You know who didn't want him there? Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. Why didn't Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard want him there? Because he was a product of Paul Levesque. Because he was a product of NXT. How you have somebody like that walk on the main roster and you opt to put him in Steve Urkel's suspenders and put a fucking mask on him and Viking gear or whatever the fuck they put him in, gladiator gear, and make him an embarrassment. Everybody's like, oh, J.D., you should be bowing down to Vince McMahon. You should be giving, you know, Bruce Pritchard his praise. He's been there for fucking 60 years. I don't give a fuck what he was a part of. The fact that you have that man and Scarlett walk into that locker room and you don't have a solid plan for them. The fact that they walked into that locker room, you did what you did to him and then excluded someone like that. Excluded his wife, who, pardon me, is one of the most beautiful women in the fucking world. And she doesn't have a role on this show. Jesus fucking Christ, man. God fucking damn it, man. You guys are fucking... Who, I swear to God, man. Whoever's not excited about this, whoever's not excited about this, I don't know, man. Change, 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 change is happening. Change is happening. What this also means is that Austin Theory, who hasn't been on TV this week because of the passing of his uncle, thoughts and prayers go out to Austin Theory, Austin Theory more than likely will be cashing in that contract, that money in the bank contract, and losing. There's no way he's walking out anywhere as WWE heavyweight champion or universal champion. Not happening. This is an unbelievable move. And everything that you saw in NXT, you're going to see in the next week, two weeks, three weeks, you're going to see Cross and the package unfold the way it should have been. These were months wasted. Months wasted. And now Triple H is back. And this, everybody said Monday Night Raw was going to be a statement show. I think tonight, I, I honestly think SmackDown was more of a statement show tonight. Even though it did feel, and I will go over this, even though it did feel like the run-of-the-mill SmackDown episode, because this is what he's got to work with. This is what he's got to work with. This is... This is what he inherited from Vince McMahon. A fucking directionless, chaotic mess on SmackDown. The roster sucks. The roster is in shambles. Triple H is not going to show up on Friday night after having a great Monday night and automatically fix things that are wrong with SmackDown. SmackDown needs a complete overhaul. That entire roster, tag team division, women's division, the top of the car, the intercontinental title, everything about it needs a complete overhaul. Triple H is not fixing this shit on night one. I've been saying this shit for months. If Triple H takes over, it'll take 18 to 24 months tops to fix this shit and get everything the way that it needs to be. A draft would be a good start for Triple H on Friday night. A draft. Don't know when the draft is happening, whether it's happening in September, October, or if there's a draft this year. I don't know. 
But getting the rosters on an equal level, starting with a draft, would be a great jump-off point for Triple H. But he's doing what he's doing. And he's going to do what he has to do to make sure everybody is kind of... And and, and it looks like, to me, from what we've watched on Monday and Friday, those names, he's already developing new stars. Stars that have already been there in WWE that Vince threw away like fucking yesterday's garbage. Look at what he did on Monday night. Champa was Monday night Champa. Ali got another run at uh, doing what he does on Monday night. He's going to be another featured guy. He's going to be one of those recipients in the Triple H era. Champa was all over Monday Night Raw. That is a great start. Look at what they did with SmackDown tonight. Look at what they did in the opening match. They started the show off with Ricochet and Baron Corbin. Now, you think, or you may think that Ricochet opening the show wasn't really that big of a deal. It was a major deal. Starting the show, you could have been, you could have had put anybody in there. You could have started the show off with a fucking gauntlet match. You could have started the show off with your regular Roman Reigns promo. Triple H started SmackDown tonight with a ricochet match who was somebody that he himself brought into the company that he himself had to watch die for the last three years, four years, get buried by Vince McMahon, get miscast by Vince McMahon, puts Ricochet, of all people, in the opening match against Baron Corbin, gives him a solid 10 to 12-minute match, and he comes out victorious. Ricochet, if you don't think that was a statement in itself, I'm going to need you to open your fucking eyes. The fact that Paul Levesque opened this show with Ricochet getting a solid victory over a Vince McMahon favorite in Happy Corbin is all you need to know about the change Happening in the WWE. Shayna Baszler. When was the last time Vince McMahon gave Shayna Baszler a women's championship match? I don't remember if there was even one championship match for Shayna Baszler. You know when she's getting that championship match? In front of 60,000 plus in Cardiff. Shayna Baszler is getting a SmackDown women's championship match against Liv Morgan. You think that was done just willy-nilly? You think that was just done because Triple H threw a fucking dart at the dartboard backstage and it landed on fucking Shayna Baszler's picture? You think he chose Shayna Baszler's name out of a fucking top hat? Done by design. Shayna was also buried by Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard, more than likely for the way that she looked because she wasn't big tits, big ass, and a blonde. So now Shayna Baszler's getting a championship match and Shayna Baszler was absolutely booked to perfection in NXT. She was one of the most dominant females to come out of that company's history in NXT. And what did she do? She got teamed with Nia Jax. She got teamed with fucking Natalia. Nothing made sense. They buried her right from the jump. They put her in a fucking program with Becky Lynch, which she should have won, and you never fucking recovered after she lost at WrestleMania. Never. Same thing's going to be happening to Rhea Ripley. Sooner than later, it's going to cycle back to Rhea Ripley because she also suffered the same fate when she got called up to the main roster. Vince and Bruce did the same thing to her. You think these things were just, oh my God, just a weird coincidence. No, all of these things were put in the show 
done by Triple H by design. And an added aspect is Liv Morgan's feuding with Ronda Rousey right now, right? Who's Ronda Rousey's best friend? Shayna Baszler. Now Liv has to go through Ronda and Shayna. That is if she gets by Shayna Baszler. We may be looking at a Shayna versus Ronda match coming up, and that's where Triple H's mindset is going. Never mind Liv Morgan. Never mind returning Charlotte Flair to the fold. We may be looking at a Ronda versus Shayna match, and that may be the match that Triple H has on his mind. And it all makes sense. Continuity. Changes. Roman Reigns even mentioned hospital tonight. Roman Reigns mentioned the word hospital tonight. Not medical facility. Hospital. Just another name or another list or another uh, banned term that Triple H is unbanning because Vince McMahon had this fucking complex about him. He had this weird fetish that these things did not belong in this universe that he created. Meanwhile, if he breaks his leg or if he has a heart attack or he has a stroke or whatever the case may be, he's not going to a medical, who nobody's, nobody's saying medical facility People are going to be mentioning the word hospital because that's the way real human beings speak. We're not sports entertainers here. You could call yourself a sports entertainer. Triple H also unbanned the words wrestler and wrestling. Because what do we do five hours out of the week on Monday and Friday? Do we play hopscotch? Are we sitting down playing a competitive game of chess? Are we playing tic-tac-toe? Are we playing fucking Fall Guys on PS5? Are we playing a fucking competitive game of Fortnite? No, we're professionally wrestling. You are wrestlers. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Unbanned. Change. Everything that you're seeing is change. Even the little things that you might... I had somebody in the chat before we even started tonight. Oh, SmackDown was the same shit. Nothing really changed. I'm sorry, bro. You may have to open your fucking eyes. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm the ace of New York. The New York ace. Fuck the Irish ace over there on, uh, on NXT, man. The, the fake JD McDonough over there. Fuck out of here. That's why you're here. I'm going to let you know every single fucking time that Triple H makes a positive change, and that's exactly what he's doing. And that's exactly what he's going to continue to do. 
We saw it. We saw it at SummerSlam with Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. They're in a faction with Bailey. The other big thing tonight: the women's championship. I'll talk about that in a second, which may lead to Sasha Banks and Naomi returning. Now we got Karrion Cross back in the fold. Tommaso Ciampa was all over Monday Night Raw. Ricochet was pushed in the opening match to, to, to make a statement. Shayna Baszler is the number one contender for the Women's Championship. Change. Change. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We're going to continue to talk about Cross. We're going to mention Shayna again. We're going to talk the Women's Tag Team titles. I got a lot to go over, folks. This is going to be a great night. We got 3,800 people inside the OTS venue, and I want to thank you guys very much for joining me, man. Don't go anywhere. I'm just getting started. Follow me on social media quickly. Let me run through this shit. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo links are down below. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage. We were live for Sunday's episode 437, Monday, Night Raw, Tuesday's NXT, Wednesday's Dynamite. I took yesterday off. Pardon me. Back live Friday, fully rested. We are going to kill it tonight. So go check all that stuff out on the homepage. Hit that subscribe button down below. We are almost there. We're halfway there. We're almost there, man. 136,000 subscribers. On YouTube, hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Continue to hit that join button. We'll be live on Sunday night with episode 439 of the podcast. VIP only, members only chats on Sunday. So make sure you guys go hit that join button and become a channel member right here on OTS. Sponsored today by my great friends over at Honey. Join honey.com slash off the script. You guys are going to download the free web browser. Save some money while you shop online at your favorite sites. Join honey.com slash off the scripts. Absolutely free. You do me a solid by downloading the app right to your web browser. Thank you to Honey for once again joining the podcast tonight on Off the Scripts. Also, I'm going to have a major announcement in the weeks to come. We are partnered with a new platform where there will be original programming. So I will let you guys know about that. And we just got picked up by DraftKings once again. So we will be sponsored by DraftKings going into the Clash at the Castle pay-per-view, man. So big things are happening with OTS. And I want to thank you guys for joining me right now on the SmackDown Post Show right here on OTS. We're going to start at the top, man. We got a lot to get into, so I'm going to get right into it. We're going to start at the top. We started SmackDown off, like I said, with 10 minutes of promo packages. 10 minutes of vignettes and promo packages. They really they really kind of layered it on with the SummerSlam recap and then Pat McAfee talking about Happy Corbin, which obviously led to Happy Corbin wrestling in the opening match, but they wasted a lot of time. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, it's 8.10, and we got no formulaic intro to SmackDown. Normally, what I mean by that is uh, someone comes out, they cut a promo, it sets the table for the show. We haven't gotten any of that in week one of Triple H. Change. If this was Vince McMahon, the show probably would have started off with a fucking lame promo segment because they're so stuck in their ways. 
But this obviously led 10 minutes of all this stuff and Pat McAfee drawing on his little teleprompter and kicking a football into the crowd later on on the show. It was a very laxed episode of SmackDown. Very, very relaxed. So we got Happy Corbin and Ricochet. They cut backstage to Corbin watching on the monitor as Pat McAfee was making fun of him. He wasn't pleased at all. He then heard laughter behind him. And there was a bunch of the catering guys, catering geeks back there, kind of laughing at Corbin. They were all gathered there watching and laughing. Ricochet said, karma is a beautiful thing. And he laughed at at happy Corbin, Baron Corbin. Corbin says, listen, I'm going to wipe that smile off your face. Ricochet then challenged him to try it. I'm going to go out to the ring, and this smile will be all over that ring. Come out and meet me in the ring. So we get happy Corbin and Ricochet to start the show. Match was pretty decent, man. Like I said, Corbin is not bad. His gimmick is just fucking terrible. And Ricochet... You guys know how we all love Ricochet. I see some of the geeks online. Oh, well, he's a, he's a flippy, divey, in, indie guy, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. W- would you rather go back to Vince McMahon's era where Ricochet's not even on the fucking show? Ricochet's one of the most prolific pro wrestlers on the planet. I don't understand people's hate for Ricochet. I really don't. So Ricochet and Corbin, like I said, had a really good match here. Ricochet looked very strong here, even though the ending was a little bit of an unclean finish. So fans are loving McAfee here. They're chanting for McAfee, McAfee, McAfee's getting up on the desk and teasing Corbin and distracting Corbin throughout this thing. Ricochet had the early advantage, sent Corbin out to the floor, followed up with a big dive, wiping out Corbin. Corbin avoided a springboard clothesline and hit the ring around the post clothesline to take over. So Corbin kept looking over at McAfee. He is very upset that he lost at SummerSlam. Fans broke out into a loud McAfee chant. Ricochet fought back, took it to Corbin with a big kick to the face. Corbin avoided a moonsault off the apron. He then threw Ricochet into the ring post. Corbin was in control with, you guessed it, folks, the chin lock. The formulaic chin lock is still running wild in WWE as the come down to a match. Everybody does the fucking chin lock. So Corbin's in control with the chin lock. Ricochet broke out of it. Corbin gave him a big back body drop. And they sold this shit on commentary. They showed a replay of it with the picture and picture replay. This was all Ricochet, man. This is why I love Ricochet so much. You could put him in there against anybody. And he's going to make them look good. Because he goes in there and sells his fucking ass off. This was all Ricochet on that height of the, of the back body drop. All Ricochet. It looked great. So Ricochet started to fire back, hit a big handspring, elbow, and flying clothesline. He followed up with a standing shooting star press for a near fall. Ricochet went for a handspring elbow again. Corbin caught him, hit his spinning neck breaker. Ricochet fought back. Corbin recovered and hit a big deep six for a near fall for himself. So they were on the top rope. They were fighting for position on the top rope. Ricochet tried slipping out. Corbin pulled him back up. Corbin then threw Ricochet onto the apron. Corbin looked over at McAfee, distracted by McAfee. McAfee got on the table. He's pointing at Corbin, and Corbin is distracted. Ricochet took advantage and crotched Corbin on the top rope. Ricochet then hit a recoil and a shooting star press for the win. 
Fans popped big for Ricochet winning. As Ricochet went up for the student shooting star press, McAfee noted that Ricochet is going to do something he didn't do at SummerSlam. Do the move smoothly. After the match was over, McAfee and Ricochet threw a football back uh, and forth together. McAfee signed the football and then punted the football into the audience, which I'm assuming is probably currently on eBay as we speak after SmackDown. Very good match. And like I said, you know, they're still selling this Corbin and McAfee thing. I don't know where this could possibly be leading. I I don't. But let me take a stab at this. At SummerSlam, Corey Graves was very adamant that he was a big Baron Corbin guy. He even made the mention of Baron Corbin, uh, I believe, either slept on his couch or or vice versa. Baron Corbin let uh, Corey Graves sleep on his couch when they were you know, coming up through the ranks together. They were basically roommates together for a little bit. They know each other. They probably are very good friends in real life. They probably smoke cigars and grill steaks and listen to fucking heavy rock music together. I'm assuming that they are very, very, very good friends outside of business in WWE. Corey Graves, earlier in the year, it was reported that Corey Graves got cleared to wrestle. Corey Graves is cleared for in-ring competition. Now, I don't really want to see him in the ring. I don't want to see him wrestle. I think he does a fantastic job in the position that he's in right now. The most valuable asset to Corey Graves is his voice and not his in-ring ability. Those days are gone. Survivor Series is coming up. WWE really wants to play up the Raw versus SmackDown build. WWE definitely wants to give the Raw versus SmackDown feel which is going to be very difficult to do because Vince and Bruce killed it, give Survivor Series that Raw vs. SmackDown feel. There's no better way for WWE to push the Raw vs. SmackDown feel than having the announcers do it. McAfee and Corey Graves. Pat McAfee, he's signed for several years. This is not the last time he's going to be wrestling for WWE. SummerSlam wasn't the last time. He'll be wrestling for WWE. And if Corey Graves is cleared... What if we get a tag team match with Corey Graves teaming up with Ricochet against Pat, uh, actually uh, Pat McAfee teaming up with Ricochet against Corey Graves and Baron Corbin. So we got Corbin teaming with Corey Graves and Ricochet teaming with Pat McAfee. That could have been the start of something that we could potentially see blossom moving on into the future. Survivor Series will be here before you know it. We're already... We're already heading towards the middle of August. Summer, the summer will be over before you know it. We'll, we'll be at Clash of the Castle. And then we'll build for the October pay-per-view, which I'm assuming they go back to Saudi. And then Survivor Series. But what if we get announcers on opposing teams, because I don't want to see them one-on-one, announcers on opposing teams, and they handpick their partners. Because clearly they're still setting up this, this Corbin versus McAfee feud. We could see something like that happen. I'm just throwing that out there. It could potentially happen, or it may not happen. I don't know. But the fact that this match opened the show, Corbin versus Ricochet, like I said in the beginning when I ranted about the change that Triple H is showing you on SmackDown, this is not a big, oh my God, blow me away change. It's not going to be one huge change that, you know, changes the entire dynamic of the show. The fact that 
Triple H could have chosen anybody to open this show. He chose Ricochet to open the show. Because I genuinely believe Triple H knows exactly what he has in Ricochet. I think Triple H knows the fans' complaints and reactions to how Triple H, or how Vince, rather, has booked Ricochet, and how Vince McMahon has booked Ricochet. It's crazy. The fact that he opened the show against Corbin and got a victory over Corbin is the biggest statement that you could possibly make. That was not something that was just, I will throw it at the top of the hour. No, it was thrown at the top of the hour with Ricochet being the guy at the top of the hour to make a statement about the new administration. Ricochet is a Triple H guy. Ricochet winning over Baron Corbin was a Triple H fuck you to Vince McMahon. Ricochet winning in the first match on SmackDown was your statement to the old administration from the Triple H administration. And I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And that's the first thing that I thought of as soon as that match was over. That's what you do to make a statement. And I can't, I can't sit here and tell you I, I, I don't find wrong in that. I don't. I don't find any wrong in that. Ricochet should be a major player. And Triple H, he's going to push who he is very, very confident in. You got to remember, Triple H gave the ball to these guys while he was all of these things that he is now in NXT. He already trusts these guys. These are the guys, these men and women, were the men and women that were going to Triple H every time he made an appearance backstage on the main roster. Triple H gave Ricochet how many cries on that shoulder. Papa H, what's going on? Triple H, Paul, what's going on? I I need your help. Bring me back. I want to go back to NXT. How many, how many, how many talks do you think Ricochet, Pete Dunne, Shayna Baszler, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, how, how many? Keith Lee when he was there, Cross. How many, how many conversations do you think Triple H had with everybody? Malachi when he was there, Andrade when he was there. How many conversations do you think Triple H had with everybody? Wanting the same thing, asking the same questions. These are people he already trusts. So yes, you're going to see these people pushed to the forefront in this new era. And I don't know why anybody is complaining about it. We've been asking for this for years. We've been asking for guys like Ricochet and Champa and all these guys to be pushed as major players. It is now going to happen. Triple H, the one change that you are going to see actively every week is Triple H putting a Band-Aid over everything and letting, putting a Band-Aid over a Ricochet and putting a Band-Aid over Shayna Baszler and putting a Band-Aid over a Champa? He's going to let these wounds heal because they were damaged so much. They were not given any anti antibiotic. They were never given anything to clear the, 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 the fucking poison to, to, to make this wound healed, uh, heal. This is exactly what he's doing. He is taking what was ruined and he's actively, slowly but surely, going to fix several people on this roster. And it's going to be fucking scary when Triple H fixes everybody and they're all ready at the same time and they're all bigger under Triple H than they were under Vince McMahon. And then, 
then you're really going to start to see things just amped up in a way that we've only wanted for years on the main roster. It's a beautiful fucking thing. And I'm here for it, man, especially for a guy like Ricochet. There's nobody here or online that should be complaining about a guy like Ricochet or a guy like fucking Champa getting booked the way that they have on the main roster. This is exactly what we needed, and Triple H knew it, and he's doing it, and he's giving it to us. They recap Liv Morgan beating Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam, and that's going to be another thing we're going to discuss in a second. So we go from Liv Morgan and her coming up next to a Sami Zayn backstage segment. Sami Zayn's walking backstage, and obviously he's got his Bloodline t-shirt on. He thinks he's a part of the Bloodline. He thinks he's an honorary Oos. So he knocked on Roman Reigns' door. Out come the Usos. Sammy was thrilled that he was greeted at the door of the Tribal Chief. Jay was happier to see him than uh, Jimmy was. So Sammy asked how Paul Heyman is doing. Jimmy said he needed some time at home after the table thing at SummerSlam. Brock F5'd Paul Heyman through the table at SummerSlam. He said he wanted to talk to Roman. He says he was going to walk into the locker room, but Jay blocked him. Jimmy said he'd shoot him a text when it was a better time. Right now, Uso, it's not a good time. It's not a good time to talk to the tribal chief. I'll send you a text when it's a better time to come on over, and then we'll, uh, we'll sit you down in front of Roman. Sammy looked a little hurt. Sammy looked a little frustrated here. And he eventually walked away and said, all right, you text me, and I'll call you later. I'll come by later. It's definitely leading to something. What it's leading to, I don't know. I have a hint, have a hunch, and we talked about it already, but I hope we see it, and it goes where exactly I'm thinking it's going. So McAfee said, Sammy isn't anywhere on the Tribal chief schedule, and that's rough for Sammy to take. He said it in a very... Uh, I would say unapologetic and insincere way. Gotta love uh, Pat McAfee. A- and then we got Shinsuke Nakamura against Ludwig Kaiser. This is the former Marcel Bartel of Imperium. And he's out there with Gunther, the WWE Intercontinental Champion. Now, we've seen this match several times. This is the third time we've seen this match. They could have easily did... Now, if this was Vince McMahon, he would have done, no doubt about it, Shinsuke Nakamura and Gunther, and he probably would have had a championship contenders match with Nakamura beating Gunther and getting a title shot via that road. Nobody wanted to see that. Nobody wants to see Gunther lose on the main roster. They're actually using him in the right way. So we got a third match here with Gunther on the outside watching Kaiser against Nakamura. First, it was Nakamura beating Gunther, or uh, Kaiser. Gunther absolutely demolished Kaiser with the chops. Looked like they were going to kick him out. Then Kaiser beats Nakamura in the second match. Gunther aids in helping Kaiser, which he let him know because he still chopped him after the match was over. And now we got a third match. I would be terrified if I'm Kaiser and I lost this match, which eventually he did. So we got Nakamura... And Ludwig Kaiser, another good match between these two. I mean, Kaiser's very good, and Nakamura is always good. Kaiser backed Nakamura into the corner with some kicks. 
We got a big USA, USA chant here. Crowded South Carolina was a lot better than it was in, uh, where were they? Yeah, Houston on Monday? Awful. Awful, awful, awful Houston crowd. Nakamura recovered and rocked Kaiser with a running knee. Kaiser picked up Nakamura in a backbreaker and dropped him on his face. So Nakamura was in control after a commercial break, sliding German suplex in the ropes. Gunther tried to distract Nakamura, but Kaiser took over and the distraction worked out. Nakamura was on the defensive. He regained control and took over. He went for a Kinshasa. Kaiser took it to Nakamura with a big uppercut. He goes for recovery, gets a near fall. Kaiser's in control. He's thinking he's on his way to winning this match. Nakamura caught him in an armbar. Kaiser broke free. Nakamura eventually went for the Kinshasa. He hit it, and he got the victory over Ludwig Kaiser. Nakamura takes on Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship next week on SmackDown. Now, I don't know what they got planned for the Intercontinental Championship. I figured that they would build this up towards Clash of the Castle. I'm not really sure what's going on there. I, I hope to whoever is listening to this or whoever's in charge here, that Kaiser gets, or uh, Gunther rather, gets on the card for the pay-per-view. I want to see the Intercontinental Championship defended at the pay-per-view. Maybe we still get it with Nakamura, and this is just one of a series of matches between these two. But we're getting the match next week, and Gunther and Nakamura, after the match was over, went face-to-face. I don't think we have to worry about Gunther anymore on, on the main roster. There was a time where everybody was worried about Gunther, me included, on the main roster because he was just another Triple H guy, and he was another NXT guy that was in the hands of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard, and nobody really trusted that administration to do right by him. Everybody felt like they would eventually get bored of Gunther. But I don't think we have anything to worry about. Not with Triple H in charge. Triple H is not going to ruin anything about Gunther. In fact, you may actually get some of that old NXT Gunther on the main roster. There's nothing to worry about here. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to have a dominant run as Intercontinental Champion. No doubt in my mind he's going to beat Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship next week. We don't have anything to worry about here. But there is no solid competition on SmackDown for Gunther. Obviously, we just got Cross coming back. That's always a possibility, but Cross is aiming bigger for the Undisputed Championship. Ricochet, another match with Ricochet could be great, given you know what we saw already briefly. You give those guys 15, 20 minutes, they give you an NXT TakeOver Classic. But there really isn't anybody on that main roster right now, on that brand, that would even legitimately stack up to a Gunther. So again, Triple H is going to have a lot to fix on Friday night because this is all Vince McMahon's mess. Everything that Triple H has inherited here on Friday night is all a product of Vince McMahon. He was basically left with a roster that was deplorable and in shambles. People miscast, people being buried and off the show, no momentum whatsoever. It's going to take a little bit for Triple H to really get in there, get his hands dirty, and say, hey, we're making some strides here. It's not going to happen overnight. But again, the changes that we got on Monday, we got some more changes on Monday. And we're going to get more changes on next Monday show. And then we're going to get more changes on next Friday show. It's going to be a work in progress. 
But Gunther and Nakamura, I'm looking forward to it. Continuity. I like the fact that we're building towards something. So we'll see what happens next week with the Intercontinental Championship. Much rather would see it at the pay-per-view, but if Triple H has bigger plans for the Intercontinental Championship, which I'm assuming he does, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and let's see it play out. Megan Morantz interviewed Kofi Kingston. Kofi is without Xavier and Kofi is without Big E for obvious reasons there with Big E, but Xavier Woods had his ankle pilmanized last week against the Viking Raiders. So Kingston's back there and he noted that his outfit matches Megan's outfit. He said Xavier is holding up well and recuperating and it'll be a while before he's back on SmackDown. I wonder... I wonder if he's really hurt again. Because Xavier Woods has been injury prone as of late. Or if they're really going to keep him out, which I don't really understand seeing how light the roster is and how weak the roster is. Why they would keep him out to sell this injury and only leave Kofi on SmackDown minus Xavier if he's not hurt. couple weeks maybe. But I wonder if he's legitimately injured again and he's taking some time away. So he says it's been so long since it was just him and himself representing the new, the new day. He says it's time for him to make the new, the new vicious Viking Raiders pay the ultimate price. Do you know why? Because new day rocks. You know, this is why nobody took Kofi Kingston serious. And I'm being honest here. This is why nobody took Kofi Kingston serious as WWE champion. This guy has Big E out with a broken neck. Xavier Woods last week was pilmanized by Eric and Ivar. They shattered his ankle in a steel chair last week. And Kofi Kingston is out there smiling and being jovial and he's happy. Meanwhile, his best friend in the world had his ankle shattered by the Viking Raiders. And he's out there. New Day Rocks. No. This is why nobody took Kofi serious as WWE champion. This is not the time to be doing New Day Rocks. This is not the time to be comparing, oh my God, you got the same color as I do on tonight with Megan Morant. No smiling, no fucking jokes, no hip swivel, no funny faces. It's time to get serious. And this is a time, would have been a perfect time, for Kofi Kingston to be serious, but he's out there playing the dumb New Day shtick. This is why nobody takes them seriously. And I've said it multiple times, when they turn it on, they are great. But when you do shit like this, nobody's going to look at the New Day as a serious threat. Nobody. And this is why nobody took Kofi Kingston seriously as WWE champion. Sami Zayn, once again knocked on Roman Reigns' locker room. Usos stepped out again. Sammy said his reception is terrible, so he wanted to be sure that they didn't try texting him. He wanted to make sure the text went through. Uso said Reigns wants to be sure the graphics and power and presentation is going to be perfect. The Usos asked Sammy if he'd go do that. He said that's not his job. The Usos said it would make Reigns happy. Sammy said, fine, I'll do it. But he wasn't thrilled in doing it for the bloodline. So clearly, they're making this guy run around like a fucking lapdog, like a roadie, 
like a groupie doing their bidding. They really don't want anything to do with Sami Zayn, but if they could get something here out of them, something there, something over there, they're going to take advantage of Sami Zayn because they know that he needs them. They don't need him. Kayla Braxton's in the middle of the ring. And she is with Liv Morgan. This was one of the roughest parts of the entire evening. One of the roughest parts of the entire evening. McAfee is out there talking about the controversy about her win. Now he's bringing up the fact that Ronda was in a position at SummerSlam where she had an armbar on Liv Morgan. And Liv Morgan tapped out. But the thing is, Ronda Rousey's shoulders were on the mat, and that's the only thing the referee saw in that moment was Ronda Rousey's shoulders up off the mat. Now, Jesse made a good point. My partner on Wednesday nights, he did make a good point. Why is the referee looking at Ronda's shoulders? Why is the referee looking at Ronda's shoulders and not looking at Liv Morgan potentially being the one to tap out in this submission hold? Like, you can hear, you know, the tap out. You should be listening for that. I don't understand why he had to go and look at Ronda's shoulders being on the mat. The submission should have been the one thing that he should have been paying attention to. I don't really understand it, but it is what it is. They tried to make everybody look strong. They did. And it turned Ronda heel, hopefully. After tonight, I'm not so sure. But they did a very admirable job at trying to take a match that nobody really had any business booking. I knew the match was going to be shit at SummerSlam. It took what was going to be a shit match, and they made a great ending out of it. Now, Liv is out there, and she smiled. The belt is over her shoulder, and she received boos. She was being booed in South Carolina. These were not piped-in boos. These were legit boos. Broxton asked about the vengeful, focused Ronda Rousey. The vicious Ronda Rousey. Broxton said um, that her arm is in a brace now. And she asked what's going through her mind at SummerSlam, or since SummerSlam. Liv says she's feeling so many emotions. Fans were then heckling Liv Morgan. She said, that's okay, that's okay. Because this is exactly why I wanted to come out here and address this. She said, it's all okay. Don't worry. I wanted to come out here and address the elephant in the room. Fans started berating Liv Morgan with a you tapped out, you tapped out chant. She said she appreciates the fans calling her out on her shit. And they bleeped it. She said shit. I guess TV 14's back. huh? She said shit. A couple of times, and Fox bleeped it. I've seen some people online, well, why'd they bleep it out? It's basic television. It's not fucking cable television. It's syndicated television here in New York City, Fox 5. Of course, they're going to bleep it out. So fans are still berating her with a, you tapped out, you tapped out. She said the championship means everything to her, which is why she was able to withstand armbar after armbar after armbar. Fans continued to boo. She paused, and it looked like she was getting rattled at this point. Now, Liv Morgan is a very emotional person. She takes this shit very seriously. She's basically living her dream right now. And everybody, everybody thought, and including Liv Morgan, 
that the fans were rallying behind the babyface, the blue-collar babyface in Liv Morgan, the underdog babyface in Liv Morgan. So much so that all of this tonight almost made her break down and fucking cry. Liv Morgan looked visibly upset tonight. And I find this to be very shocking. I do. But there's one thing that could have avoided all of this. And you can go and blame Vince McMahon for that. This is the first time Liv Morgan has been out there since the Triple H administration began. I'm not blaming Triple H for this. I'm blaming the previous administration for this. They did things that were so fucking nauseating with Liv Morgan that resulted in what you saw tonight. She said she tapped out only after she thought the referee had counted three. She was interrupted as she talked about what she'll do when Rousey comes back and Sonya Deville walked out. She said this is very sad to see. She said she can give her innocent, noble Liv Morgan act to the people. Some will buy it because they're dumb, but they both know she shouldn't be champion right now. She said all of this disgusts her. She said what made her happy is seeing Rousey get her hands on her after she screwed her over. She said it shows how much Adam Pierce sucks at his job. DeVille entered the ring and said she loves seeing her hurt. She said she's going to win this gauntlet match next and then see her at Clash of the Castle and break her heart by taking her SmackDown Women's Championship. I don't know. I don't know what WWE was thinking here. I don't know what their plan of attack or plan of action is going to be here with Liv Morgan. I don't think that WWE, Triple H, or anybody there on creative expected Liv Morgan to go out there and get booed as SmackDown's women's champion. It threw everything off about what we've watched so far with Liv Morgan. People were chanting for Ronda Rousey. I'm afraid that the damage has been done. I'm afraid the damage has been done with Liv Morgan. And what I mean by that is Vince McMahon, week after week after week after week, every day, every week since she won Money in the Bank, every day when she pinned Ronda Rousey, every week after that, coming out, oh, um, this is my dream, and I'm going to fight, and I'm the underdog, and I'm going to survive, and all this other shit, never give up. Never say die attitude by Liv Morgan, right? Right? You don't think that shit sticks with people? The more times that you batter that shit into someone's head, especially this casual audience, eventually they're going to start believing the bullshit that you're spewing. So you take week after week after week after week of Liv Morgan saying, oh, this is my dream, and you're going to have to fucking take. She said it herself. You're going to have to kill me to take this championship. Go back and listen to her promos in the previous weeks. You're going to have to kill me to take this championship. What did Vince McMahon, what did Vince McMahon do for weeks only for Triple H to go out there and do the one thing that should have been done for fucking months. It's turn around to Rousey heel. That's what it looked like at SummerSlam. But after weeks of Liv Morgan saying, you have to kill me to take this championship, the one, she, the one thing she does at SummerSlam is tap out. 
So from this point on, from SummerSlam to where we are now Friday night, Liv Morgan is a liar. Liv Morgan is a bullshit artist. Liv Morgan is a fraud. The character that she's portraying and the act that she's put on is not sincere. You're not going to get those fans back. You're not. And it's not because people turn their back on Liv Morgan. It's not because fans are fickle. It's not because fans are bored of Liv Morgan. No. The fans were conditioned to listen to Liv Morgan for five weeks going into SummerSlam, only for her to tap out. And now we have to hear it again. And the fans are saying, no, I don't want to listen to your bullshit because I don't believe you. They're not dumb. You tapped out. You tapped out. The fans saw her tap out. And everything she says about underdog and having to pry this title from me is all going to fall on deaf ears. All going to fall on deaf ears. It's over. The Liv Morgan party is over. And you can blame Vince McMahon for that. That's the baby face he wanted. That's the role he wanted Liv Morgan to make. Now, Triple H has to inherit another mess. And now he's going to find the problem solver in Shayna Baszler. Being that Ronda Rousey is suspended, quote-unquote, and fined, quote-unquote, kayfabe. She wasn't on the show tonight. She wasn't anywhere in the building. She was home on Rousey Acres. She was not on the show because WWE, storyline-wise, she's not really suspended and fine, but storyline-wise, suspended and fine Ronda Rousey for her actions against Liv Morgan and the referee at SummerSlam. Good. Good. Do I think she'll be at the show? Yes, I do. Do I think Shayna Baszler is going to beat Liv Morgan for the title? Yes, I do. I do. I think Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey are going to be a tag team. I do. I think Ronda and Shayna are going to join forces, and we're going to have two of the fiercest heels in the entire women's division. Why do I say that? Because WWE announced today that we're getting a women's tag team tournament. You don't think Shayna Baszler or Ronda Rousey as a tag team in that tournament makes sense? They're going to need tag teams. Where are you getting tag teams? I don't know where the fuck you're getting tag teams. You ain't certainly getting tag teams on the main roster because there are none. Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey are going to be a tag team in that tournament. Mark my words. Mark my words. Two-fourths of the horsewomen will be back together. It's just money. It's just money. Shayna Baszler and Liv Morgan booked for Clash of the Castle. Ronda's going to be in Cardiff. Ronda's going to be in Shayna's corner eventually. And Ronda's going to help Shayna win that fucking title. And then they're going to focus on the fucking tag team titles. That's what's coming. That is what's going to happen. The days of Liv Morgan as your women's champion are over. You've had your fucking 15 minutes. You had your fucking, oh my God, right? You had your tweets blow up. You got your excitement. You popped your champagne. You got your fucking confetti. It's over. It's not Triple H's fault. Triple H is coming in to fix the problem that Vince McMahon created. You can thank him for the Liv Morgan mess. It's going to be good. Can't wait. Might as well talk about that. WWE announced the Women's Tag Team Championships. 
They are coming back. Why? I don't know. I was hoping Triple H would burn them. They should have been dumped in a fucking fire somewhere. I don't really understand why we need them, but they are coming back. Tournament to start on Monday night, and it will be... I don't know if it's going to be eight teams, four teams. I don't know. I don't know. But there are no teams on the main roster. I gave you one. I know another two women. I know another two women that would uh, absolutely fit the bill for the tag team championships who have gone missing. Could this lead to Sasha Banks and Naomi coming back to WWE? We're going to need teams for the tournament, right? They were your tag team champions. They gave them up. So Triple H gets them back in, puts them in the tournament, and gives them an opportunity to win them back, only to fall to Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. That's what I think. I don't know who else is going to be in this tag team tournament. Do we get call-ups? Do we get toxic attraction called up to the main roster? J.C. Jane was going back and forth with Bailey. Apparently, Bailey wants to enlist J.C. Jane of toxic attraction to her new control faction. Do we get Bailey and EO in the tournament? Do we get EO and Dakota in the tournament? Do we get Bailey and Dakota in the tournament? If there's one guy that I trust, listen, I still think that they should be thrown in a fucking pit of fire somewhere. Burn them. They're not worth the weights of gold that's on the level. They're not. They're not needed. The NXT women's tag team titles aren't needed. I gave you a solution about what to do with the tag team titles. If you really want women's tag team titles in the WWE, we don't need women's tag team titles in NXT. You want these titles on the main roster? Keep them on the main roster and have that be the one set of titles that flows between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. I don't know why we need two sets of tag team championships. But we could see a Triple H-inspired tournament here with some major names. I don't know what they're going to do. But the Women's Tag Team Tournament is kicking off on Monday. So we will definitely see what happens there. We could see Sasha and, uh, Sasha and Naomi return on Monday. We could see them wait till Friday. There could be a mystery team in the tournament. I don't know. I have no idea. We'll, we'll find out more on Monday because that's when the tournament is starting. So we got a gauntlet match. This gauntlet match was very uneventful. I really thought they were going to give it to Raquel. <laughs> Rodriguez Gonzalez. Jesus fucking Christ. Did you guys see that woman run to the ring, man? <laughs> running down the aisle. And she had this huge fucking smile on her face, man. Holy shit. <laughs> running down the aisle. Yeah, listen, honey, Vince is not in charge anymore. You don't need to smile so much. Oh, my God. I thought Finn Balor was a fucking walking toothpaste ad. We got Raquel Rodriguez doing the same thing, man. But instead of Colgate, I think Raquel is auditioning for Aquafresh. Or maybe Arm Arm and Hammer. Which one is it? I don't know. So we got this gauntlet match. Sonya Deville dispatches of Aaliyah in two minutes. Like Aaliyah was going to win this fucking match. Give me a break. Deville took over. Slowed the pace down with a chin lock. They slowed the match down with a chin lock that went two minutes. 
Aaliyah broke free, hit a crossbody off the second rope. DeVille recovered, pinned Aaliyah for the win. Then we got Raquel Rodriguez defeating Sony DeVille. She was the next one out. DeVille gave Rodriguez a chop block early to take down the larger opponent. Rodriguez recovered, hit the big twisting Vader bomb elbow drop, followed with the Tejana bomb, and <laughs> Raquel Rodriguez, she beats Sony DeVille. Then we got Raquel Rodriguez beating Shotzi in one minute. So we got two minutes with Aaliyah, two minutes with Sonya, one minute with Shotzi. Here, I thought Shotzi was going to be in good hands on the main roster with Triple H taking over. Not yet, I guess. Not yet. This match was mostly done in the commercial break. Shotzi was firmly in control here. Rodriguez reversed into a fallaway slam. Vader bomb and the Tejana bomb for the win for Raquel. <laughs> Gonzalez. So she's mowing through the opponents. And we got Raquel Rodriguez against Zia Lee. She beats Zia Lee in two minutes. Lee targeted Rodriguez's injured knee because of the chop block from Sonia Deville, I'm assuming. She went with a half crab. Rodriguez caught Lee midair, fallaway slam. Vader, this is legitimately it. Twisting Vader bomb elbow, Tejana bomb, and <laughs> more smiling. And we got Rodriguez against Natalia. Oh, boy. We got Natalia. And Rodriguez here. Natalia went right after the leg and the knee. Locked on a submission. Rodriguez escaped, reversed into a suplex for a near fall. Natalia recovered, locked on a sharpshooter. Rodriguez fought and made it to the ropes. Rodriguez recovered and lifted Natalia up in the corner off of a top rope move. Power bomb, Tejana bomb for the win, and she got the win over Natalia in the gauntlet match. So she beats Sonya Deville, Shotzi Blackheart, Zia Lee, and Natalia. They went two minutes, one minute, two minutes, and two minutes. Great job. I mean, if you're going to book a gauntlet match, make it really feel like a gauntlet match. This is not really a gauntlet match. One minute? I mean, the men's gauntlet matches, remember the men's gauntlet matches where Kofi won the gauntlet match and we had, uh, I believe, Seth Rollins do a gauntlet match, right? They made them look great. Two minutes, one minute, two minutes, two minutes. The men go 50 minutes in a gauntlet match. But the women get six minutes. So we got Shayna Baszler coming down. This went three minutes. Oh, my goodness. Three whole minutes for Shayna Baszler, bro. Oh, my God. Match started in a commercial break. Baszler was in control. Went after the injured leg of Rodriguez, pretty much taking over for what Sonia and Shotzi and Natalia did. So she's working on that injured leg. Baszler attacked Rodriguez's arm, and she looked over at Liv Morgan, kind of staring her down, who was on commentary. Baszler tried for the Carrefour to clutch, but Rodriguez avoided it. Rodriguez recovered and went for the Vader bomb again. Baszler caught her in the chokehold in the clutch. Rodriguez broke free. Baszler took advantage, rolled up a weakened Rodriguez for a leverage pin. So after all that, Rodriguez looked strong. 
And Baszler beats her with a leverage pin. So I guess that's their way of protecting Rodriguez, selling the leg and getting the loss on the leverage pin here, giving the win to Shayna Baszler. Baszler looking down at Liv Morgan, who's sitting on commentary, and Baszler's taking on Liv Morgan at Clash at the Castle. I was... (laughs) After the match is over, because I'm glad Gonzalez lost. Thank you. Shayna Baszler winning this match is not something that just randomly happened. This was done by design. Ricochet winning the opening match in the first match on a Triple H-led SmackDown in the new era. It is done by design. Shayna Baszler is winning that women's championship, and if she doesn't, it is a fucking colossal mistake. The days of Liv Morgan are over. I will go buy you tissues next time I do my food shopping at Stop and Shop. I usually go on Tuesday or Wednesday. They may be on sale. I got to look in the fucking, uh, I got to look in the flyer that was delivered in my mailbox. If it's on sale, I'll buy all of you fucking Kleenex, man. You're going to need them. You're going to need them. I'll wipe the whole fucking shelf clean just so that you have protection for those salty tears that I'm sure will be emanating on September 3rd. Moving on. Sammy Zane. Actually, let me see. Jesse texted me here. Let me see. Oh, you don't tell you don't check your texts. Let me see what this guy's sending me. I sense something. A presence I've not felt since. Dot dot dot. Uh-oh. That was a tweet by T-Bar. Yes. Yes. Dijack may be on his way back. You don't think Triple H is going to change that guy's name back to Dominic Dijakovic? Give me a break. Or give him something new. Dijak. Get trademarked out, right? Get him on TV. Sami Zayn. Once again, looking for Roman. Roman is nowhere to be found. Sami told the Usos he got into a fight with the pyro guy, but everything is fine and, and will be perfect for their segment later. Sammy wanted to see Reigns. Uso says, nah, Us, it's not happening. Sammy was upset. Sammy asked if he's a part of the group or not. Jay said the bloodline have titles, and Sammy has to start pulling his weight around there, or he'll take, or he'll have to take off his bloodline shirt very soon. So, Sammy, Sammy has no title. What title can we give Sammy Zayn? The 24-7 championship hasn't been, on, hasn't been on TV in two weeks. Why don't we have Sami Zayn just show up with the 24-7 title, right? I don't even want to see, I don't even want to see the Circus of Geeks on TV. Keep him off TV. Have Sami Zayn show up with the 24-7 title and pretend that he is holding his weight. That's what should be done. I don't want to see these fucking clowns on TV. Just give it to Sami and have the bloodline burn it. Have them take it from Sami and shit all over the fucking title, eradicating, eradicating the title and getting it off TV. It's a great way to write it off, right? Have Roman throw it into a fucking burning barrel of fire. I don't give a fuck. But at least pretend that Sammy's holding his weight with the title only for them to use it against him. And then kick him out of the bloodline. Where is this all leading to? Clearly they're setting something up. The Usos have no opponents for Clash of the Castle. 
I hope you know who their opponents at Clash of the Castle is going to be. It's going to be the Usos, Jimmy and Jay versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens for the tag team titles. I think Roman's losing the championship in Cardiff. And if Roman's losing the championship, I see the Usos losing the championship. I think Sami Zayn and him not holding his weight and them kind of belittling him that he ain't holding his weight goes and lists his best friend as his tag team partner. And then they win the tag team titles. And then he's legitimately holding his weight. I think that's where this storyline is going. And if that's not where it's going, that's a huge missed opportunity. Got the new Vicious Viking Raiders. I don't know why they're calling them the new and Vicious Viking Raiders. Vince is gone. Please. Against two geeks, Tommy Gibson and Jim Mulkey. So this went in about uh, as you would expect it. Viking Raiders destroyed these guys. And... Eric pinned both guys at once after a double-team move. McAfee said they are talented local professional wrestlers. He stressed the word wrestling. McAfee stressed the word wrestling and wrestler here. Times are changing, folks. Times are changing. Somewhere Vince McMahon is watching this show on TV, punching the air. How could you? Ah, this ain't good, pal. Pretty sure he was texting Triple H in the back and it was left on red. Viking Raiders win in two minutes. Afterwards, Kofi Kingston attacked the new and vicious Viking Raiders with a kendo stick, which led to Kofi versus Eric. This sounds like a Bruce Pritchard produced segment. This is why I said SmackDown largely felt the same. This sounds like a Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard segment. We go from a tag team match with enhancement talents... And the Viking Raiders are dominant. And then we get Kofi Kingston versus Eric because Kofi Kingston beat the shit out of the Viking Raiders with a kendo stick. Eric said, you're going to pay. You're going to pay. They signed the match right then and there. And then Kofi Kingston beats Eric in five minutes. So it definitely feels like a Bruce or Vince written segment because the Viking Raiders look strong in this enhancement match only to have that win taken away from them and given a loss to Kofi Kingston. I don't really understand it. I question it. I don't get it. Why? Kofi's by himself. He's got no tag team partner. Why is he losing? Or why is he winning, rather, against Eric? Why is Eric losing? Doesn't make any sense. So he beat him with a kendo stick. And Kofi was on the ropes, leapt over the ropes onto Eric. Ivar swung a kendo stick at Kofi. Eric took control behind the referee's back. Kofi surprised Eric with a schoolboy for a one, two, three. Kofi Kingston beats Eric of the Viking Raiders. I don't know why. Can't tell you. Definitely a Bruce Pritchard inspired segment. But this is Vince McMahon's mess. This is, this is not Triple H's fault. Roman Reigns and the Usos. Main event segment. Here in the middle of the ring, Reigns took forever to get to the ring. Reigns took forever to say to South Carolina, acknowledge him. He said they know the deal. We defend these titles. We win the big one. Then we come back to SmackDown and brag about everything we accomplished. He let out a big, big smile here. 
He said he had a few things that he needed to address before they get into all that. He wanted to talk about Brock Lesnar. He said he wanted to send prayers to the wise man for what Lesnar did to him at SummerSlam. He says it could be a while, and they right now have no special counsel. He hates Brock Lesnar. I hate Brock Lesnar. I respect him, but I hate Brock Lesnar. McIntyre said he's out there now. McIntyre interrupts. He says, listen, man, I had to interrupt you, Roman. I had to interrupt you because if I didn't, you'd talk out here nonsense until we went off the air. I can't wait until Clash at the Castle. He asked the fans if they wanted to see him tear the bloodline apart right now. Fans cheered. He tore off his shirt. All of a sudden, we get the vulture playing in the background on the big screen, on the Titantron. We see the arena go in darkness. We see smoke emanating from the aisleway. We see this figure, this ghostly figure, standing in the aisleway right by the curtain. All of a sudden, we see Cross, Carrion Cross, Attack McIntyre, rammed him in the back of the head with an elbow. Then he takes McIntyre and starts smashing his head against the ringside steps. He yelled out this primal yell. He's out there. He noted Cole, and I think they did this same thing with Kaiser as well. If you guys are asking, well, J.D., what changed about the show? Cole mentioned Kaiser earlier against Nakamura, was a former two-time NXT tag team champion three weeks ago that was never mentioned or would never be mentioned under the old administration. And Michael Cole mentioned that Karrion Cross was a former NXT world champion. I love how these people's previous accolades are being brought up to make them feel more important. Instead of making believe... That none of it ever happened. Change. I'm glad that's one of the most pivotal things that have been changed. Talking about someone's previous history. Where were they for three years? They were under your fucking banner. They were under your WWE umbrella. They won championships. But I refused to acknowledge them because I had nothing to do with it. Cross rammed McIntyre's head into the steel steps. He yells out. Scarlet all of a sudden walks over to the ring and she's looking devilish as always. And she puts in the ring an hourglass, turns it upside down, and in front of Roman, the sands, the hourglass is fucking, the sands of time are running out for Roman Reigns. She backed away, Cross looked at Roman. We didn't really get a good glimpse of Roman and what he was looking like and what the Usos were looking like. It looked like he was just standing in there kind of smirking because nobody's really even attempted to take down Roman Reigns and do it successfully. So the closest one was Brock Lesnar. So Cross is looking at Roman. Roman's looking at Cross. Roman's looking at Scarlett. And that's the way the show went off the air. Cross has... Such major, major, major star potential. He looks even better now. The time away from WWE actually did him good. He looks better now. The overall look to him, the the head, the hair, he looks great. He looks like he looks like a sophisticated fucking, I'm gonna slit your throat. He legitimately looks like somebody that you'd call up 
bro, I need a hit on this guy. Here's his address. Go take him out. I'll give you a couple of lodge. Call me when it's done. That's what he looks like. That's exactly what it looks like. He, he looks fucking great. Scarlet out there being that fucking visual to the act. You're about to see one of the best entrances that WWE has ever come up with on SmackDown. You're about to see all of this redone the way that it should have been done since day one. They took everything away from him. They took Scarlet away from him. They took the entrance away from him. Remember that elaborate entrance that Triple H gave him inside the Performance Center? You're about to see all of this and what Triple H created on the main roster. SmackDown immediately, and I mean immediately, impacted at the top of the card with Cross being on the show. Major name placed at the top of the card. You can put him in there against anybody. Drew, Roman, AJ, Kevin Owens, Edge, Damian Priest, Cody, Seth, anybody. You got a money-making machine right here. Cross, the one thing he does great is the body language. The one thing Cross does great is the facial expressions. The one thing Cross does, he's a very eloquent speaker. He's going to make you listen when he speaks. He's going to put words out there that you're going to drop your phone when you're watching at home or you're going to stop what you're doing to listen to this guy speak because when he speaks, he's going to verbally attack you the way he speaks. This is not some fucking half-assed, some half-assed rookie showing up on SmackDown to fucking challenge Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Championship. This is not some half-assed fucking amateur that's going to show up on SmackDown that's being placed in the main event scene to challenge for the world title and battle Drew McIntyre. This is Killer Cross, Karrion Cross, with his wife and the presentation that he was given in NXT to really get the point across about him being a main event player. Everybody was talking about when Triple H took over. Oh, yeah, Cross. Cross should be one of the guys that Triple H calls up. No shit. No shit. I got one even better for you. Why does he have to be one of the guys to call up? Why did he have to be fired? Why did he have to be fucking buried on the way up from NXT? We should not even be sitting here talking about, oh, my God, Cross debuted on SmackDown tonight. Cross returned to WWE on SmackDown tonight. Why did we even allow it to get to this point? Now, if I know, I don't know Cross. I don't, I never had a conversation with Cross. I hope to shake his hand at the House of Glory show. Good shit, bro. I'm glad you're fucking back and I wish nothing but success for you. I don't know why we got to this fucking point. But if I was to ask him, he'd probably tell me all good things come to those who wait. The release worked in my favor. I was never worried. He was going to be fine no matter what he wanted to do anyway. He was not going to remain out there as a free agent. He could have went anywhere and fucking worked. But the fact of the matter is, he wanted to be where he was. He wanted to work who he was working for. He wanted to be a major player. This is what you work for all your life, to get to that point, to get to WWE, and then they fucking kill you. Then they kill your passion. He'd probably end up telling me, you know what? Everything worked out in my favor. And it's going to. He's going to be a major main event guy in the WWE. And this is going to be a fantastic get for WWE, for SmackDown, for Raw. 
I don't know how anybody can hate on this. But we never should have gotten to the point where we're all excited about him returning to WWE. This should have been months already in the making. He should have been at the top of the card for months. He should have been in a major WrestleMania program. He should have been the next main event guy that you constantly see on television in a major program. The fact of the matter is the previous administration didn't have any fucking idea what a superstar was or what a superstar looked like. No matter how many times that previous administration was a part of some of the greatest moments of all time and some of the greatest characters ever created, it's okay to say at 77 years old and at 60-something years old for Bruce Prichard that they lost their touch. They're not cut out for this shit anymore. Now it's time to let the big boys play and do it right. Cross was a statement. Ricochet was a statement. Shayna was a statement. Cross being the biggest one. You fucked everything that I did up. And that Triple H is here trying to kind of rebrand that all over again. And give opportunities to those that unjustified had it taken away from them for absolutely no reason. I cannot sit here and take this move. Uh, I hate this move. You guys need to take this and really think about how important this move is for WWE. I love it. Guys, we're going to go over Rampage in just a second. I want to check the chat for you guys. Let's see what's going on here. We got 3,700, man. You guys are fucking awesome. You guys are awesome, bro. 3,700 in the venue tonight. Love it. Continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. We got 1,500 likes. We need 2,000 minimum on OTS tonight. Sponsored by my great friends over at Honey. Join honey.com slash off the scripts. Everything that you guys don't see on my desk, because you guys can't see it, was purchased via some of my favorite online shops and purchased via Honey. I shop online a lot, man. I'm always upgrading the podcast. I'm always getting something for my desk, something new. I just ordered myself this state-of-the-art selfie stick because I'm going on an uh, overseas trip in October, which I will let you guys know about in the weeks to come. Got myself some vlogging stuff, some selfie sticks, some lavalier mics. All purchased through Honey, man. I saved a lot of money using Honey, man. You guys can manually search for those coupon codes like I did using Honey. Searching for regular coupon codes is a thing of the past, man. You don't have to do anything anymore. Honey does it all for you. Honey's the free shopping online, too, that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Honey also supports over 30,000 stores online that range from sites that have tech, gaming products, popular fashion, even food delivery. Shop online. You're going to see that drop down, and you're going to see apply coupons. You wait a few seconds. Honey's going to search for coupons it finds for that site, and you guys are going to watch the prices drop. I saved a lot of money on some stuff. For my overseas trip in October, guys. I really did. 17 million members, over 2 billion in savings. 
If you don't have Honey already, you're missing out. It's free. It installs in seconds. And by getting it, you're supporting this podcast. And I don't recommend anything I don't use. Join Honey.com slash off the script. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on OTS. Rampage. Rampage was awesome tonight. It was live, which was a great thing, but it was awesome. We got Rampage live tonight, and they were also filming the Battle of the Belts as well tonight, which uh, I'm assuming there are spoilers out there already. I will be watching that tomorrow night. Not sure if I'm going live with it, but I will probably talk about it on Sunday when we talk about the weekly breakdown on Off the Script. But we got John Moxley in the open of the show, and he's going one-on-one in an interim world title eliminator against Mance Warner. So Warner is from Tennessee, and I am not familiar with Mance Warner. I know he works with MLW. I know he's uh, one of those indie darlings, but... I watched tonight, and I didn't really see anything all that spectacular about Mance Warner. I don't know what the big deal about Mance Warner is. I don't know why everybody enjoys Mance Warner the way that they do. I didn't really see anything of a value there. I didn't see anything special there. I didn't see anything that, you know, kind of tells me, oh, Tony Khan desperately needs to sign this guy. I didn't see it. Maybe I, maybe I need to go back and watch some of his stuff. But what I saw tonight was the -the run-of-the-mill norm for that type of brawler. Now, Moxley, he is from uh, Bucks Snort, Tennessee. I I never even heard of Bucks Snort, Tennessee. But he's from Tennessee, and uh, Moxley, if you're talking about a a legit MVP for AEW, You could definitely look at Dax Harwood. You could definitely look at Chris Jericho, Eddie Kingston even this year, Brian Butts. Brian was more so last year. I'm looking at John Moxley as an MVP this year, man. John Moxley has settled into that role of just that Cal Ripken fucking figure. Going out there, holding the fucking team on his back, not missing work, refusing to miss work. He's in such a groove right now as world champion, and he's almost taken it upon himself to carry the company on his back until Punk gets back, until MJF gets back, until Cole gets back, until Omega gets back. There's a lot of key guys still out. And Moxley is legitimately out there every week which has its pros and has its cons. I don't want to see the world champion wrestle every week. It takes value away from what the world champion really is. But Moxley's operating on a different level. Moxley's operating under different circumstances. They don't have a world champion right now. They're world champion CM Punk. He's operating as the guy that's going out there and killing it and showing you exactly why he is world championship material and good enough to hold the company up while Punk, the world champion, is out. And I think that's fantastic. So kudos to John Moxley. Now, I'm starting to sense a lot of John Moxley uh, negativity. 
I don't like John Moxley. Some geek tweeted at me. John Moxley's overrated, and I'm sick of John Moxley. Dean Ambrose was better. I don't know where this hate's coming from, but again, I'm going to have to ask you to get the fuck out. I don't even want you here. Any Moxley, any, any Moxley negativity, you got to get out. I'm sorry. So Moxley's out there against Mance Warner. Yes, Mance Warner looks like the fucking cable guy. Yes, he does. Either that or he should be tipping cows somewhere in Tennessee. I don't, I didn't find anything special about him. So they were exchanging shops and steel chairs were brought into the fray here early on. Warner dropped Moxley crotch first on a ringside barricade, clotheslined him off the barricade. Warner and Moxley exchanged more chops in the ring. Moxley attacked Warner's leg with a drop kick, took him down with a dragon screw, which looked fucking devastating. Locked in a figure four. Warner escaped with an eye poke, the most dangerous move in all pro wrestling, an eye poke. Warner whipped Moxley into the corner and caught him with a sliding boot. The fight went to the floor where Warner whipped Moxley into the ringside steps and the barricade. Warner then suplexed Moxley onto a steel chair. Moxley mounted a brief comeback and tried to pile drive Warner on stairs, but Warner countered with a DDT on the stairs. So I was kind of getting to a point where, you know, I understand Mance Warner is making his uh, Rampage debut. I, I don't think this is his AEW debut. I think he wrestled one match back in the day. I don't remember against who. But as a world champion, as an interim world champion, and as somebody that's just here for a one-off, I do think that Moxley gave Warner a little bit too much offense, or they gave Warner a little bit too much offense. Now, again, I don't know who he is. I don't know how, how good he is or if he's a legit tough guy. I don't know. So... I do think that as world champion and somebody that's coming in for a one-off just to fill the fucking show with a match, I do think he got a little bit too much offense. So, Warner is going after Moxley like now. Warner planted Moxley with a uh, spine buster. Did not look good at all. Moxley had a small uh, cut on the side of his forehead. Warner found some chairs underneath the ring. He tried to bring a chair into the match, but the referee said, no, 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 this is not a no-DQ match. So Moxley punched the chair into Warner's face. Moxley injured his right arm by hitting the steel chair, which bounced into Warner's face. He rolled to the outside. So he came up bleeding on the floor because, you know, there can't be a fucking match that includes John Moxley that doesn't have fucking blood. I wish that they would tone it down on the blood. The more blood we see, the less effective the blood is going to be. The less we see of the blood will be, oh, he's bleeding. Oh, he's busted open. It'll be a little bit more genuine instead of, oh, just another run-of-the-mill AEW match, more blood. So he's out there bleeding. Moxley with a beautiful tope suicida. Moxley brings him back in the ring. Uh, Pile-drived Mance Warner, which was fucking brutal. And hammer and anvil elbows. He tried elbowing with the arm he hit the steel chair with. Moxley sold the arm. He went with the other arm, uh, kicked his teeth in. Moxley locked him in a a Kimura, kicked him again, um, and that was pretty much it. Bulldog choke, ended the match, and Moxley wins this world title eliminator to open Rampage tonight. So, decent little match there. Don't really get Mance Warner. I get the sense you guys don't really find Mance Warner all that uh, exciting either, but... It is what it is. Moxley needed a big win going into 
Wednesday's Quake by the Lake against Jericho and that world title match. We got Lexi Nair. She interviewed Ricky Starks after his confrontation with Powerhouse Hobbs. This was filmed on Wednesday, airing tonight on Rampage Live. So, of course, Lexi Nair was interviewed by QT, or interrupted, I should say, by QT Marshall and the factory. They offered Starks a spot in the factory. They were offering their protection for free. Now, apparently, Aaron Solo is someone that has a very, very long history with Ricky Starks. And they've known each other for a while. And based off their history together, he said, I think you should take the offer. Ricky Starks said, no, I'm not interested. I don't need your help, your help, your help. And fucking uh, Nick Camarado was dressed as Godfather, the Godfather, a pimp. I don't know what the fuck they had Camarado dressed in, this blue jumpsuit with a top hat. Looked like he was about to go fucking uh, pull some hose on Pacific Avenue in Atlantic City. No. I don't know what the fuck they had him dressed in, but I think it's the last I'd like to see of that. So Ricky Starks doesn't need any help, and thank God he's not joining the factory. Konosuke Takeshita defeated Ryan Nemeth, the uh, inferior Nemeth brother, now, listen, man, I'm okay with my sexuality, man, but Dolph Ziggler, looks-wise, is so much more of a better-looking guy than fucking Ryan Nemeth, man. Look like Ryan Nemeth let the... <laughs> listen, man, it looks like he let himself go a little bit. Looks like the wingmen aren't really cutting it, bro. I don't know. I don't know. This was basically a squash match to get Takeshita a victory going into the Claudio match for the Ring of Honor title. Big knee strike did him away. Avalon tried to jump Takeshita after the match, and Takeshita hit him with a knee strike as well. Uh, and that was pretty much it. Blue Thunder Bomb was also executed in this match. Beautiful Blue Thunder Bomb on Ryan Nemeth by Takeshita. Running knee, one, two, three, and that was it. Takeshita is definitely one of my favorites in all of pro wrestling, man. I want to see him. I, this is the one guy I'm going to watch intently blossom, man. He is going to be, if Tony Khan doesn't sign him, that's, that's something fucking wrong. I don't know where he's going. Apparently, he's on his uh, last little leg here for this U.S. run. He's going back to Japan. I don't know when he's going to be back in the United States. Whenever he's done with DDT, Tony Khan's got to bring him full-time to AEW. He is fucking over. Over. Love it. Madison Rain. She went one-on-one with Layla Gray, somewhere Tony Brown is a very happy man that Layla Gray is on TV. Too bad she just got engaged over the weekend. I wasn't big on Madison Rain even coming into this thing, but Madison Rain is somebody that you're going to be hearing a lot about. She is going to be used more as a way to enhance the division that is on screen and behind the scenes. She just got named as one of the head coaches for the women's division. She's got a lot of years experience, 15 years plus in pro wrestling. I think this is a great move. Tony Khan delegating some power backstage to really get his cards in order with his administration and his management team backstage. I think this is a great move. And we might have saw some of her inspiration and some influence already on Dynamite with that incredible tag team match. We had Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa against Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. So, some of her influence might already be felt in the women's division. So it's going to be curious to see what happened there with that. 
but she went one on one with Layla Gray. She didn't look bad at all. I don't remember Madison Rain being, uh, you know, um, I would say a, a technician or technically sound in the ring. I always thought it was more, uh, you know, more of what we see of like now with Toxic Attraction. I always thought her and Velvet Sky and uh, what was the other one? I forgot. I forgot her name. Um, I, I, you know, the uh, the beautiful people. I always thought it's basically a take on Toxic Attraction. Or toxic attraction to take on the beautiful people now. You know, it's a very, it's a very run-of-the-mill, ordinary gimmick. I mean, it's done over and over and over again. But I didn't really think of her more as uh, as a professional wrestler. She was very good here. She was very good at chain wrestling at the start with Layla Gray, some nice pinning combinations. She was very, very good here. So Rain fought her way back after Layla Gray had uh, a chin lock applied. There's that fucking chin lock. Angelina Love, yes. Beautiful people. Um Rain fought her way out of a chin lock. We even got to see the chin lock on AEW television. So she got a near fall with a Northern Light suplex on Rain. Rain went for a ripcord stunner, and Gray counted with a side slam for a near fall. Both women looked, you know, they, they looked okay out there. Layla Gray is still green. So Layla Gray looked a little step, you know, a little, uh, a little lagging behind there. And, you know, Madison Rain obviously has to keep up with that or slow her pace down, whichever. So it, it, it looked to be a little off because of, you know, Layla Gray's greenness. But they exchanged forearms. Gray tried to uh, do a sit-out face, bust, face buster, but Rain escaped, hitting a sliding lariat. Rain hit the cross reins. It's the crossroads, basically, for the win. And Madison Rain gets her debut victory in AEW. Jake Cargill came out after the match to invite Rain to accept the open challenge on Wednesday. Kiara Hogan tried to run in and attack Rain from behind. But Rain hit her with the cross reins as well. And the match is set for Wednesday. It will be Jake Cargill defending the TBS title against Madison Rain in a TBS Open Challenge. There you go. Maybe she could teach uh, Jake Cargill a thing or two. We'll see what happens. We got the Lucha Brothers challenging Roosh and Andrade to make their match on Wednesday a Lucha Rules match. This is basically uh, Tornado Rules. Anything goes, and that's going to be fucking great. I cannot wait for that match. There's one thing I'm looking forward to most on the show. It is the Lucha Brothers versus Andrade and Roosh. And I honestly think we get something big. I honestly think we get something big on Wednesday. Uh, I just have a feeling I think Tony Khan's going to bust out the big surprise or whatever it fucking may be on Wednesday. I either think we get Punk back or we get Omega back on Wednesday. I could be wrong. I don't know what John Moxley's doing at the pay-per-view. The fact that John Moxley doesn't really have any solid opponents after Jericho lined up for himself kind of makes me believe that CM Punk is on his way back to AEW. And we may get Punk and Moxley at All Out in Chicago, which would make sense and would be perfect timing for the interim AEW championship and the world championship to be merged and we get one world champion. Again, I could be wrong. I don't know. But I have a feeling either Punk or Omega is showing up on Wednesday. But if you really think about it, who is Moxley? Who, who would you guys put in the ring against Moxley at the pay-per-view? Jericho is getting the title match on Wednesday. I don't want to see a third Jericho match. I don't think that second match leads to a third match. I think we're getting Brian and Jericho at the pay-per-view. What does Moxley do at the pay-per-view? I don't know. Maybe MJF comes back. MJF versus Moxley. Ah, MJF comes back when Punk is the world champion. 
I don't want to see MJF versus Moxley. So it's going to be a, vi- a big question, man. Big question coming out of Dima. Who's Moxley going up against at the pay-per-view? The fact that we have nobody, really, kind of leads me to believe that Punk is on his way back. We got the tag team champions in the main event. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Swerve in our glory against Tony Nese and Josh Woods with smart Mark Sterling. This was a no-DQ street fight. This was actually pretty fun. No tags in or out. Tornado rules. Anything goes. Fight started on the floor here. Strickland sent Nice into a chair with a step-over toehold. Lee dropped Woods with a double overhand shot. Nice threw his uh, protein powder, his premier athlete protein powder, in Keith Lee's face. Keith Lee was taken out. He was blind about his protein powder. Started throwing protein powder in his face as well, did Tony Nice choking around. Swerve came over and pretty much took him out. Then wanted to throw a toolbox at him, which he barely missed. If he nailed him with his toolbox, it would have been Nice's head for sure. Keith Lee's over there asking somebody in the crowd for water to wash his eyes out. Nice flew off the apron with the, with the toolbox. Woods sent Strickland into the chairs with a twisting superplex. So we got the heels in control here. Match finally got into the ring after a commercial break. Pair of tables were also set up on the outside in the interim. Woods and Nice tried to powerbomb Strickland through the tables, but he escaped. Lee avalanched Woods and Nice, then hip-tossed Nice into Woods. Sterling hit Lee with a chair from the outside. He no-sold it. Took the chair because Mark Sterling tried to celebrate, thinking that he did a good thing here. Keith Lee took the chair, and Neeson Woods DDT Lee onto the chair. Bolt tried to cover him, but Strickland broke up the cover with a 450 splash onto the pile of bodies below him, breaking up the pin attempt. Nice set up a table in the ring. Sterling hit Strickland from behind with a wrench that was on the floor because of the toolbox. Woods set up Strickland on the table. Lee pulled Woods out of the ring and hit Nice with a headbutt on the outside. Sterling tried to come off the top to put Strickland through the table. Lee caught him. Strickland rolled off the table. Lee shoved Sterling off the top rope. He goes flying through the table in the middle of the ring. Woods then teased a German suplex on Lee through the table on the outside off the apron. Nice hit Lee with a super kick, and Woods actually hit the German off the apron through the tables on Keith Lee, which looked like it was fucking brutal. That was a great spot. This left Strickland in the ring with Nice. Strickland gave Nice a high back body drop onto a pile of chairs. He then comes off the top rope with the swerve stomp, the double stomp to get the pinfall on Tony Nice. And that was the way Rampage went off the air. They put some decent matches on the show tonight. It was live because they were taping Battle of the Belts. They put some big names on the show. They put Moxley on the show. They brought in Mance Warner, who's an indie darling. They put Swerve and Keith Lee on the show. Uh, They put uh, Takeshita on the show. Madison Rain was on the show. Jade Cargill was on the show. I know everybody's making fun of Rampage's ratings. And everybody's wondering about Rampage's ratings and worrying about Rampage's ratings. Rampage was never meant to be a ratings draw. It was only an extra hour of television because Time Warner, Warner Media, wanted it. Yes, I wish better for Rampage. I wish Rampage was live every week, every Thursday, for two hours. I wish it was AEW's version of SmackDown, where Dynamite is the A show, Rampage is the B show, and one cohesively flows into the next. 
I, I would love it. In a perfect world, Rampage would be on Thursday at 8 p.m. live on TV, TNT or TBS. I'd love to see it, but it's not. It's on at 10 p.m., mostly taped every week, and it doesn't come off as a show that you need to see. There's really nothing important coming out of Rampage. There hasn't been anything important since the first Rampage. Nothing. They need to fix it. And I hope when AEW negotiates a new TV deal, we get something new that brings Rampage to the forefront and really makes Rampage its B-show. But right now, Tony Khan's putting on good television. The last two weeks of Dynamite have been great. Rampage last week was great. Tonight's Rampage was great. And the key about all these shows is that they don't feel like they are bombarding you with content. Things are allowed to breathe. Things flowed nicely. Everything just seems like it's cohesively going into the next thing, the next segment, the next segment. We're not going 1,000 miles an hour. Some people like the 1,000 mile an hour at Dynamites and Rampages. I don't. I think it makes the show look Bush League. I think it makes it look amateurish. But I like that Tony Khan has slowed it down. I hope he continues doing that moving on with both Rampage and Dynamite. Guys, we are about done here, man. I appreciate y'all. Hit that thumbs up, man. I need 300 likes. 300 likes for 2,000 on the night. We had 3,800 people tonight. The Triple H era. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. Oh, but uh, I can't. I can't listen to JD. I I can't listen to JD anymore. He's too positive. I wish JD was negative again, man. JD's a Triple H cocksucker, man. I can't take it. That excuse doesn't work anymore, bro. Can't use that excuse anymore, bro. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Super chats are open. Get them on in. Get them on in. Hit that join button as well, man. VIP on Sunday. Channel members only on Sunday, man. You're going to want to be a part of the chat. Also, hit that subscribe button down below and turn on the bell for all notifications. And once again, shout out to my sponsor for tonight's show, Honey. Join honey.com slash off the script. Make sure you guys go and download the free web browser. Listen, man, I'm happy. My audience is bigger than ever. We had over 5,000 for SummerSlam. At 4,500 for Monday Night Raw. I think, around that. Around that. So we, we were definitely over 4,000. Almost 4,000 tonight. The last time I saw 4,000 on a Friday Night SmackDown, man, was... God knows when. I don't even remember. It's the Triple H effect. Everybody's happy, man. Good. Good. I'm still going to call shit out. Which I did. I'm always going to be honest with you guys. If it, if it sucks, it sucks. 
There wasn't any drastic change on SmackDown tonight, but the change was visible. I called it out. Moving on, man. Let's get with the Super Chat. Joseph Taylor. What's going on, bro? Joseph Taylor with a final Super Chat. My two favorite songs from Alter Bridge are Find the Real and Metalingus. I can't hate on Find the Real and Metalingus, Joseph Taylor. Those are not my favorite songs. My favorite songs are Blackbird, Fortress, and The, the Last Hero. Basically all their title tracks. Jay Coyle with a UK $2 Super Chat. Are you unable to use the Drowning Pool cover? No, I could use it. I just don't like it. I don't like that particular cover song. Gary Gordon with a 5 times 2 How refreshing it was that these ladies were given a chance to shine tonight and fresh faces in the championship match at Clash. Bro, I can't complain, bro. To see Shayna Baszler in the women's championship match, man, I'm fucking happy about that. Are we getting Walter versus Bobby Lashley quite possibly at Survivor Series? Take my money. It looks like we may be heading towards that. Yes. Yes. That is... That is, if Triple H wants to continue that concept for the Survivor Series, which I honestly do think is a dead concept. Rathuel with a $2 Super Chat Rampage was still way better than SmackDown, says Rathuel. Uh, I uh, I don't know about that, bro. I don't know about that, man. I think both shows were very good tonight. And the... The best thing of all, Monday was good, Wednesday was great, and Friday was good. We got Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. For the first week since AEW has been born, all three shows were legit exciting shows. We got a good week of wrestling, fellas. Rathawell, thank you for the $2 Super Chat, man. Appreciate you. Gary the New Man with a $5 TikTok, $5 Super Chat. He says TikTok, TikTok. Not a $5 TikTok. $5 Super Chat that says TikTok, TikTok. Thank you, Gary. Kinson Stanley becomes a new member. Kinson, what do you, uh, I would ask what you drink, but you told me before, bro. Bourbon. Good man. Nathan Barnett with a 499 Super Chat. Brothers Bond Bourbon straight. This guy's telling me what he's drinking. I didn't even have to ask. What are the odds you feel some of Triple H's guys who left AEW in recent months are experiencing a little regret? Some of them. Some of them. Not all, but some of them. Everybody's happy, bro. Everybody's making money. I do expect Johnny Gargano to be back. Now with Crossback, no doubt about it, Johnny Gargano's coming back. We may even see Dexter Loomis come back. Nolan, the creator, with a new membership. Nolan, what are you drinking, brother? Patty with a $10 Super Chat. Great to have Cross and Scarlet back. Absolutely, Patty. 
Sinister Classic with a $5 super chat. JD called it. Karrion Cross is back. Thank you, Papa H. Do you think he brings in a tag team? Rampage was solid. That tag team match, street fight was great. Yeah, it was fun. Matthew. JD, I'm excited to be getting married today. Congratulations, Matthew. Sinister Classic, yes, man. I'm happy Cross is back and uh, Rampage was solid. And yes, I did call it. I knew it for weeks. I just couldn't say anything, but... One of these days, someone's going to reach out to me with breaking news, and I'm going to be the first to break the news. Fabian Cleveland with a $5 super chat. Keep it up, he says. Also, Patty becomes a new member. Patty, what are you drinking tonight, brother? Mr. Premium 2002. Well, the 199 Super Chat, they brought Cross back. Wonder what happens next. Premium, I don't know, man. I'm excited, though. And Premium, hopefully you, you enjoyed that cameo, bro. Thank you for that. Lena Scorpio, 20 with a $5 Super Chat. OMG, Cross is back. And Mercedes tweeted this morning on Twitter, we're just getting started. Is that the tweet she deleted? I know she tweeted and deleted this morning. Was that one of them? Triple H making it happen slowly but surely. You rock, JD. Lena Scorpio, thank you so much. Derek Anawaii with a 10-month membership. Derek, what are you drinking, brother? Derek, what are we drinking on the Island of Relevancy, bro? Craig with a two-month membership. Craig, what are you drinking, man? Says, love the direction Triple H has Raw and SmackDown going in after this week. OTS for life, two months and counting. I love to see it, bro. Love to see it. Raging Girl Gamer with a 1999 Super Chat. Thank you, Rage. Karrion Cross coming back was great, but I miss Omos. So I think Triple H needs to make it happen. Omos versus Karrion Cross. Give the people what they want. Uh, listen, Rage. Uh, Rage, uh, l- listen. I-, I don't know if somebody slipped you something or, or uh, laced your drink with something. I'm going to have another one of these comments, Rage. I'm going to have to actually get the fuck out, okay? I don't want you to get out, but I may have to ask you to get the fuck out. Super Chat. 
Nice to see Triple H pushing the NXT talent that was meant to be pushed. Also, I miss your AW review, but Adam, turning on the books, I feel that Tony purposely did that to flash the undisputed era in Triple H's face. Listen, man, I would not put it past him, bro. Thank you, Kent Foot. Very nice observation there, Kent. Tyrone Johnson Jr. with a 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD, do you think Austin Theory is more ready to carry the world title 25 than Randy Orton was when he won his first championship at 24 years old? Tyrone, I'm going to say yes. Tyrone, I'm going to say yes. Anthony Olivares with a $5 super chat. Hey, yo. I haven't watched Raw SmackDown over five years, and I can honestly say that Papa H has piqued my interest once again. Anthony, I agree with you, bro. Trey Boyd with a $4.99 super chat. SmackDown and the main roster will fall and pray to Karrion Cross. And Scarlet. Luis Baez with a new membership. Vincent Tarantini with a new membership. And Nathan Gordon with a new membership. Gentlemen, what are you drinking this evening? Kinson Stanley with five dollars super chat. Hopefully Shinsuke kicks Gunther so hard he goes back to Walter. Should be a brutal, strong style match. Yes, it should. I'm very much looking forward to it. And you know Triple H is going to give them fucking time next week. Vincent Tarantini with another five in super chat. TikTok fallen prey. JD. JD's number one might actually go to Raw in Norfolk. Eleven twenty-eight. Hopefully, they will allow my OTS sign. You would think so, bro. You would think so, but they probably will end up taking it away from you. Because they hate this show. And they hate me. But I'm trying, bro. I'm trying to be positive, man. You're slowly but surely seeing that my negativity was only me caring and hoping for what we're getting now. Anaconda Vice with a 499 Super Chat. I don't know why, but I feel Trips is going to turn main roster into the old NXT. We all loved, and I'm effing hyped for that. Great show, JD. You're the best, truly. Thank you. I appreciate Anaconda. Thank you, brother. Kid Kato with a 199 Super Chat. Where do you see David Benoit and Johnny Gargano? I don't see David Benoit anywhere. Johnny Gargano will be back in WWE on Raw. DJ Lundy with a seven-month membership. Lundy, thank you, brother. Interesting read from Fightful Select about Cross being inserted with Drew and Roman Feud and also challenging Roman for one of the titles. I, bro, I've been saying this for fucking months. One of those titles needs to go back to Raw. Whether it's Cross or Drew, one of those titles have to come back to Raw. 
Maybe we get a triple threat match. I don't know. I have no idea where they're going with this. But that Monday Night Raw brand needs the WWE title back. And if it's cross, so be it. Matthew Malnar with a 499 Super Chat. Honest to God, was not expecting Carry Cross back tonight. That was a delightful surprise. Bro, I wasn't expecting him back until at least after the pay-per-view. Danny Baker with a 999 Super Chat. Laughing my ass off. That Raquel laughing smile. Hilarious as always. Good stuff, JD. Thank you, Danny Baker with a 999 Super Chat. Ahmed Yusuf with a 499 Super Chat. Drew vs. Cross for the Undisputed Heavyweight Championship at Survivor Series. Now, those titles will be off Roman before Survivor Series, for sure. What we do with Cody, I don't know. It's a very interesting situation, man. It's, it's very unpredictable. To me, to me, still, Roman and Cody is the way to go. But does anybody want to see Roman hold those titles for the rest of the year all the way till WrestleMania next year? That's the problem. That's the only way I would... That is the legit... Out of every option, that is the option I'm going with. Cody and Roman for the title. It is the greatest story that you can tell. Captain Solo with a $5 Super Chat. Shannon Baszler and Karrion Cross back in the hands of Papa H and being featured prominently towards the top of the card. Take my effing money. Shayna Baszler will be the new SmackDown Women's Champion at Cardiff. No doubt about it. Drizzy Drew with a $4.99 Super Chat. Two dimes. Cole Carter joined the factory. That's why Camarado was dressed as Tony. Oh... Oh, I missed, I missed that, man. Now it makes sense. Two dimes, Colt Carter's in the factory, and Camarada was dressed as Tony D'Angelo. Oh, my God. Jesus fucking Christ, man. How did I miss that? How did I miss that? So fucking good, bro. OG Shingo with a 499 Super Chat. Moxley is putting on the best matches of his career in multiple promotions. Only other year that comes close is 2019 with his run in New Japan. Love you, JD. Thank you, OG Shingo. Uh, Moxley is great. Moxley is great. I legit thought, I, listen, man, I don't watch Dark. I legit thought that uh, Camarado had a new gimmick. Dave Handelwind. $3 Super Chat. Omega's last match was in Minnesota. Could return there. It's a good observation, Dave. It's a very good observation. Scenario 128 with a $5 Super Chat. JD, do you listen to Mars Volta? No. I do not. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. Vince killed Moxley's career with that heel turn in 2018. Yes, he did. He turned him into fucking Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. 
Expert Collector. One, two, three, four, the 499 Super Chat. Hey, J.D. Gretchen, as always, this is kind of off topic, but what do you think of Brody King's band, God's Hate? I appreciate Brody King being in the metal community, for sure. Uh, I'm not really uh, a fan of the type of music Brody King plays, though. I'm not even a fan of the fucking music I'm playing on the stream right now. It's just there because it's acceptable to all, all, all audiences. But... I'm more I'm more into a progressive progressive uh you know style of music power metal thrash metal some death metal What I heard is not bad though Hollywood guy with a $10 super chat JD which scenario would you rather see Roman beating Drew in Cardiff then Cross beats him on WrestleMania, or Drew beats Roman at Cardiff, and has a few with Cross going, taking the title at SummerSlam. I'm not a fan of any of these, bro. Roman should beat Drew and hold the title to WrestleMania, and you save that title win for Cody Rhodes. That's the way to go. Anaconda Vice becomes a new member. Anaconda, what are you drinking, brother? This song is called Welcome to Hell by Werewolves. Or We Are Wolves. It's just W-E apostrophe R-E, Werewolves. Kind of like Werewolves. Diablo Stack Ola with a five dollar super chat. What's up, JD? Glad Cross is back. Shots of liquid cocaine and screwball for everyone. Bro, what the fuck is a liquid cocaine, bro? What is a liquid cocaine, bro? Somebody fill me in. I'm the old-fashioned guy in the bar. Tenorio with a twenty dollar super chat. What's up, JD? Another super chat. I expected Cross to return, but didn't expect it to be this soon. And good to see Shannon finally get a real push on the main roster after being in obscurity for two years. Bro, I didn't expect Cross to return so soon. I expect him to return, but it was a pleasant surprise. It got everybody excited. And Shayna, I'm so happy for Shayna, man. I really do hope she wins that women's championship. Well, Diablo wants shots of liquid cocaine. He's not, he's, it's not literally liquid cocaine. It's, it, it's a fucking drink, I'm sure. What the, what, what the fuck is a liquid cocaine? I don't know. I never heard of that before. Scorpio, $2 super chat. Wait, Rhea Ripley's now wearing trunks. Yeah. Yeah, Rhea Ripley's now wearing trunks, bro. You got a problem? Deshaun Peace. Actually, before I play pilot, Deshaun Peace, $199. Uh, Drew is not the guy to beat Roman. We may see it, man. I don't know. Don't put it past WWE. And Kent Foote with a 499 Super Chat. Going off topic, but Velveteen Dream would have owned the MM Models gimmick. But oh well. Velveteen Dream is never wrestling for the WWE again. And we got Gomez with a 199 Super Chat. Do you think Cross' moveset in NXT was limited? No. 
I don't think he was limited at all in NXT. Cross was allowed to do whatever the fuck he wanted in NXT. He was just booked as a, as a serial fucking maniacal killer. That's why he was booked the way he was. Um, I let me see. Do I have it here? Uh, yes, I do have it here. Uh, but guys, before I, before I go off the air, um, I want to read something I got to you from. Uh, I don't know if he's listening. I hope he doesn't mind. But he's uh, he's a VIP here in the venue. But we got a message sent to me from Who the Ops. He's in the stream normally, and I want to end. On, I want to end on a high note, man. I want to. I want to. I want to share his story because uh, some of you guys actually like when I share stories like this, and it really goes to show you that we're doing a, a really, really great thing here, and the OTS family is fucking tremendous. I owe everything to you guys. So when I get shit like this back, you know, the least I could do is is read it off to you guys because it it really serves its purpose and I know somebody else will take this and, and use it. Who the Ops on Instagram wrote me. Hey, JD, just want to start by saying that I really fuck with you and your videos, and please never change who you are. Your videos helped me get through a very rough and dark time in my life. I was heavily addicted to oxycodone, or codine, and I was using it for over, I was using five, over five pills every day for about a year. This was back in 2019, and at that point, I wasn't watching wrestling for about two or three years. I stumbled back upon your channel, used to watch you back in 2016 and started watching your reviews again. Watching your reviews made me think back to a time in my life where I was happy and healthy and clean, enjoying life and pro wrestling. And I would think back to looking forward to watching you after I finished all my homework in high school. Seeing how successful you became made me want to do better. So I checked myself into rehab and have been clean since January 2020. I just want to say thank you because you and your videos really helped me conquer my addiction and I'll always be grateful for that. And since then, my passion for pro wrestling has come back thanks to you and AEW. Who the ops? We love you, brother. Thank you for uh, being a part of the family. And uh, remember, bro, I ain't going anywhere, man. Whatever I can help you with. Uh, it, listen, man, any, any, any donation or, or super chat or membership or... Whatever comes on here, you know, it's never, ever going to match up to something like that. And it really goes to show me and everybody else how how powerful and close the OTS family is, man. We're all in this shit together. We're all on this journey together. I'm here to entertain you guys the best that I can. And if I get messages like that, man, it really brightens my fucking week. And it really shows me through all the negativity that I get all the negativity I get and all the bullshit that I get on a daily basis that those comments, man, they completely outshine all the bad negative shit that I get every day. Who the ops? We love you, bro. Continuing to do what you do, bro. Seriously, continue to do what you do and do not look back, bro. Do not look back. Everybody here, everybody here, you know, not only me, hopefully can give you the strength to continue to get better and 
maintain that happiness, man. All, all you need to do at the end of the day is, is be happy, man. There's so many people that I know, me included, it is so difficult to sometimes just be happy, man. I, I can't tell you more times than I fucking care to say that I sit here in this office and I go to bed 3.30, 4 o'clock every morning and I lay in bed and I'm just fucking contemplating, you know, things that I could do better or I'm depressed or not happy about something, you know, but you got to be happy, man. You got to be happy. So I'm glad I could help you out. And uh, I love my OTS family, man. So listen, I'm getting out of here, guys. Addiction is a terrible fucking thing, man. Addiction is a terrible fucking thing. You know, I got, uh, you know, my, my, my fucking parents are fucking on their way to the fucking grave with their goddamn com with their, with their goddamn attitude and behavior. It's sad. Alcoholism is a terrible fucking thing, man. Addiction to any drug is a terrible thing. You know? Nothing I could do. Nothing we could do. Nothing. Anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here. I got uh, a party to go to tomorrow. So I'll be out most of the day. I'll be back for Battle of the Belts, though. Actually, no. Let's do... Let's, where, where, where am I going? How can I get into the car without going to the venue first? Hold on. Now oh, we got the venue in the car. There you go. Now, now we can go into the car. I hit the wrong button. Anyway. Guys, I'll be back tomorrow. Um, if there's an extra... If there's a possible extra I could do, um, I'll get one done. But there really hasn't been, there really hasn't been um, any news, really. It's been slow. Very slow news week. But I'll see what I can do, man. Like I said, I'll be back for Battle of the Belts. Follow me on social media, guys. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. 2,000 likes minimum. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that was, man. The interior of the car was the uh, venue. Anyway. Social media. You guys know the deal. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed. Thank you for all the super chats tonight. Thank you to the seven new members tonight, guys. Seven new members. Awesome. I'll see you guys in the VIP club on Sunday. And go check out Honey, man. Join Honey.com slash off the scripts. Guys, I need two things before... I get out of here every night. Every night we're live, man. We ask for the same things. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis for my VIPs. If you got them, you got those custom emojis. And I need that music on max. Guys, I'll see you on Sunday with episode 439 live right here on OTS. Until then, guys, have a good Saturday. And I'll see you Sunday. Thank <laughs> you.